Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship this morning. We are so honored that you are with us. We are excited to spend this time together with you in worship. If it is your first time with us, or maybe your first time back in a long time, a special welcome to you. We're excited that you're here. If you're worshiping with us online, we want to remind you we have online hosts who are available all throughout the service to answer any questions you have and to pray with you. We want you to feel connected to this community even from far away. So take advantage of that chat throughout the service or you can click the request prayer button for a one-on-one prayer chat with one of our online hosts. Well, I don't know about you, but have you ever gone to church and they do or say something and you just wonder, why do we do that? Where does that come from? What is the reason for that? Well, every single week you might notice I'll say something like, let's stand for our call to worship. And I wanted to briefly tell us together, talk about why we do that. Why do we do a call to worship? Why don't we just dive in and start singing out our praises? Well, there's a reason for that. The reason we do a call to worship is because God and not us is the initiator of our worship. In God's word from the very beginning, he is the one who spoke life into the world. And so it's not that we're sitting here pouring out everything we've got. Please, God, please come. I hope I've got enough. I hope I do good enough that God will show up. No, God calls us. God invites us. And by using his word at the beginning of every worship service, we remind ourselves his word is at the center of what we do. He is our good father who has invited us to come and worship. So we're going to do that right now. I'd love to invite you now to stand for our call to worship. This is from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Let's lift our voices together this morning.
Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4, says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. Jesus is not only our savior, he is the king above all kings who is seated on the throne. Let's continue lifting up our voices in praise to our king this morning.
let's come before the Lord together in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come. We come because you call us, because you've chosen us, because you invite us. We come. And as best as we know how, we lay down everything at your feet. We bring the best that we have. We also bring the things that are weighing us down, the burdens that are heavy on our hearts. We thank you for the words of Jesus when he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Thank you that we can trade our burdens for yours. That you take it all. That we don't have to clean ourselves up before we come. We don't have to get our life straightened out before we can come. We can come exactly as we are. Father, I thank you for each one in this room, those who are worshiping with us from far away. Holy Spirit, you know each one. You know the needs of our hearts. You know where we need to be comforted, where we need to be challenged, where we need to be grown and stretched. So will you make us attentive to you this morning? Will you make our hearts tender and open to receive what you have for us? Thank you that you're near. Thank you that there's no detail of our stories that's too small for you to care about. Thank you that you're continuing to form us, to shape us, to look more and more like Jesus, to give us hope and light in a broken world. Jesus, we love you. All this is for you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, last week we had the very special privilege in our second service at 11 o'clock to celebrate a baptism for our friend Andrea. And we want you all, even though you attend a different service, to be able to celebrate that life-changing moment as well. So we are going to watch a video from last week of Andrea celebrating her baptism. Go ahead and take a look. Today's a very special day for me. And it's a blessing because not only do we have a baptism to do this morning, but I'm getting to baptize someone that's a friend of mine. So at this time, I'd like to ask Andrea to come on out. Andrea and her husband, Michael, have been attending here for a while now when she expressed an interest to be baptized. Michael, where are you? Yeah, there's Michael. Okay, okay. We take baptism very serious here at Springbrook. Not only is it a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, in which the water represents the grave, a person goes down and comes up. When they're baptized, they're saying, I believe that by their actions. And so it's actually a testimony of faith. But even more than that, it's something that we do at Springbrook as an act of obedience to our Lord, because he commanded us to go and to baptize. And when a person comes to know Christ, it's one of the first acts of obedience that the Lord expects of them. So, Andrea, how did you become a Christ follower? So, close enough? Okay, cool. <laughs> no, so I grew up in the church, but I was always just kind of more so of just basically doing what I want, putting God on the back burner, essentially, you know, always thinking, oh, I'll do it later, I'll do it later, do it later. 
ended up spiritually, emotionally not in a good spot, bad spot. So just after just some conflict, ended up deep diving into the word and really getting the meaning behind the word. And it's like, you know what? I'm not putting them off anymore, period. Okay. When was that? That, as far as deep diving in the word, within the last couple months. Okay. Okay. And that was when you committed your heart to Christ? Mm -hmm. Right. Have you seen any changes since that time? Just a lot of positivity, not only myself, just demeanor within the entire household, just every aspect of life, a lot more positivity. That's a blessing. Mm -hmm. When we invite Christ into our heart, we bring him into our home. It has a tremendous positive influence. Mm -hmm. So why do you want to be baptized? Well, just as basically as like, a, ugh, I can't talk. <laughs> As an act of obedience towards the Lord, first and foremost, but also as a profession of faith, like, okay, we're not procrastinating anymore. This is it. This is Kaputsky. We're done. We're done doing what I want to do. We're doing what he wants to do. Amen. That's exciting. Okay, go ahead. and Andrea, do you believe that Jesus came and died for your sins? Do you believe that he's coming again? And have you received him as your Lord and as your Savior? Then based upon your confession of faith, Andrea, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You good? Okay. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I absolutely love stories of life change. If you have any questions about baptism, if uh, you're interested in that, you have questions, or maybe that's your next step, we would love the opportunity um, to talk with you. We love celebrating stories of life change, and so every week we have a story of life change. We have another baptism service coming up on May 30th, and so another uh, couple weeks we'll have another baptism service. Uh, just pray with me. I'm praying for uh, at, least, at least one faith commitment and one baptism every week. Wouldn't that be exciting uh, just to know that God is changing lives? And so if you've got any questions about that, we'd love to talk with you. If you are watching with us online this morning, there should be a place for you to click an online connection card up at the top. I want to encourage you to uh, fill that out. Let us know that you are with us this morning in person. You've got a, a welcome slip on your uh, chair. If you could just fill that out, let us know you were here. That would be great as well. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. We have some exciting news. We had uh, all of our VBS leadership spots were filled last week, so we are going to be able to uh, do VBS in person this year. And so that's going to be coming up on June 14th through the 17th. Uh, right now, Michelle's trying to put together some teams. And so if you're interested in serving during VBS, I'll be here at Springbrook. Uh, so they're working on uh, trying to put those teams together right now. Uh, you can go to our website, springbrook.org slash VBS. You can sign up for one of the uh, many opportunities that you would have to serve there. It's a great opportunity to uh, reach our community, to invest in the lives of our kids. And so we're really looking forward to that. Also, want to let you know we kicked off a new grief share ministry um, this past week, and so if you have lost a, a family member or a loved one or a friend, or if you're going through uh, personal grief right now, our grief share would be something that you would definitely want to check out. That's going to be uh, starting on uh, June 5th. It's a Saturday. Now they're going to be meeting in the afternoon. I just want to encourage you that if we can encourage you, uh, you know, through this period, uh, please let us know how we can help you. Uh, just go to our website. Uh, springbrook.org slash grief share. You'll be able to find all the information uh, for that there as well. We have our marriage date night coming up. I think we have 11 couples tickets left out in the lobby right now. I know you can still register for that online. That is going to be next Friday. And so if you have not gotten your tickets yet, you want to be sure to do that uh, as quickly as possible. We're going to have a great time 
Uh, if you want to know more information about that, uh, on the website, springbrook.org slash date night. Everything's on the website. If you haven't downloaded our app yet, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, everything that you need to stay connected at Springbrook is available there. And uh, we do want to just wish all of our moms a happy Mother's Day today. It's a special day. We want to celebrate them, and uh, we want to encourage them. And so if you are with us in person this morning, uh, we have a gift for you that you can pick up in the lobby on the way out. If you are watching online with us this morning, if you will fill out that online connection card and uh, just down at the bottom of the comment section, say Happy Mother's Day, then we'll send you a gift if you were unable to be with us this morning. Uh, We just want to take some time to celebrate our moms. Uh, We know that it can also be a difficult time uh, for some as they think about uh, Mother's Day. I know my mom went to be with the Lord uh, five years ago this coming week, and so Mother's Day for my sister and I is an opportunity for for us to be able to remember her and to celebrate her life. Uh, But Mother's Day can be a difficult time. And so we just want to encourage you, wherever you are this morning, we pray that you are blessed. And so ladies, be sure to pick up your gift on the way out. And if you're watching online, uh, be sure to let us know that you're with us. In fact, if you're watching online and you have not yet registered for a a Springbrook account online, uh, there's a place up there to log in. You can create an account. If you will create an online account with us this morning, I've got a special gift for you as well. I know a lot of times people are watching online and they just kind of hang out and kind of watch. Uh, They like to be incognito, and that's okay, Uh, but we'd also like the opportunity to connect with you. So fill out that online connection card uh, for the first time today, and we've got a gift for you as well. I got some gifts in my office I'm trying to get rid of, so I love the opportunity to share those with you. Now, I was reading through uh, uh, the book of Luke uh, this past week, and um, I came across uh, the story of Mary and Joseph, and of course, we all know the story about the angel appearing to Mary to tell her that she would be with child. And uh, in the book of Luke chapter 1, after the angel appears to Mary, I love Mary's response. She says, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And I love Mary's attitude in that. In other words, I recognize that you are my Lord. I'm going to submit myself to you and to your will, and I'm going to fulfill whatever it is that you have for me. I'm going to do, I'm, let it be according to your word. And that is a great message for not just for moms, but for ladies, but for men. It's, for, it's a great lesson for all of us. In fact, as we move into this series or today, or as we look at the reign of Jesus Christ, that's my prayer, that our attitude would be, let it be to me according to your word. We're going to be looking at the reign of Jesus Christ the authority that he has over our lives, the fact that he is our Lord and we are his servants. And so what a great attitude that Mary models for us on this Mother's Day as we move into the book of Revelation, looking at the reign of Christ. May it be according to your word. We are halfway through the uh, series on the book of Revelation, and I was talking to a a new family um, last week. Uh, almost somewhat apologetically because they came in right in the middle as we were looking at the, at the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. We covered 10 chapters of judgment in Revelation. I was like, wow, that was really a good Sunday to come visit. <laughs> and so sometimes, you know, it's important to understand as we frame this series up to understand kind of where we are in this story. You know, we started as we were moving towards Easter, looking at the law on the cross. We looked at the Old Testament covenant that the Israelites had with God, the sacrificial system that was established there as they were waiting for a coming Messiah. And then we got to Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter, and we celebrated the hope that we have in Christ, that he is our Messiah. And as we moved into the book of Revelation, now we're looking at a New Testament, a sacrificial system that has been fulfilled in Christ As you read through the New Testament, we learn about Jesus and his ministry and about what it means to live the Christian life. And then when we get to the book of Revelation, 
we get the story of what the new heavens and the new earth is going to be looking like. And so we have the fall at the beginning. We have the Old Testament story. Jesus Christ changed everything. And now we're waiting for him to return. So far in the book of Revelation, we talked about the fact that this book was a message for us today. It's relevant for us today. We're not just waiting around to see when he's going to return. God has something for us today in that. We looked at, we looked at the beginning that it is a timely message. We looked at it was a message from Jesus to us, given to the angel, to John, so that he could share that with us. And so it's a timely message that's for us today. We looked at the message from the seven churches. It was an encouragement for us to stand firm in our faith, knowing that the reward that we have in heaven is going to be much greater as we look towards God's splendor. We looked at a glimpse of heaven as we looked at the throne in God's splendor. And then last, last week, we kind of went through the, the, the trials and the tribulations. We looked at the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, the fact that God is holy and he's just. And so we looked at the encouragement that we could have that we don't need to fear those things because of the security that we have in Christ. Today, we want to talk about the reign of Christ. We want to look at the fact that we can trust him because of who he is and because of the authority that has been given to him. We're in Revelation chapter 20, and so if you brought a Bible with you, I'd encourage you uh, to turn with me to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, easy to find, we're in chapter 20. And if you're watching online, I want to encourage you down at the bottom, uh, there's a place for you to click a Bible, you can open up Revelation and read along with us online as well. But listen as we begin to read Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. John writes, I saw an angel coming down from heaven. Holding in his hand was the key to the bottomless pit to the great, to the, in a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the pit, and he shut it, and he sealed over it so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. In verse 4, Then I saw the thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge were committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast in its image and had not deceived and received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This was the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years were ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their numbers like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and there they were tormented day and night, forever and ever. Amen. You know, there is a lot in that passage. I have been uh, studying the book of Revelation for many years, 20 years of ministry. I could spend weeks going through just that chapter. There is so much there. You know, we covered the, we covered the seals, the trumpets and bulls. We did 10 chapters last week in 30 minutes. And so this chapter, in the same way, contains a lot that we can study. But I want to focus your attention on what the primary message of that chapter is. The primary message of Revelation chapter 20 is that Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. You can summarize Revelation 20 with the three words, 
or two words, Jesus reigns. You know, in verse 1, John saw coming down from heaven one who had authority over hell and over Satan. And it was an ability to bind him. You see one coming down from heaven with authority over hell, authority over Satan, and was able to bind him. And so that's the first thing that John saw. But I want to look at verse 4 for a second. Verse 4 says, Then I saw the thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. And I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. You know, Revelation, in, as you read through the book, we'll find maybe 20, at least 25 times where John says, and then I saw, and then I heard, and then after this. As you're reading through Revelation, every time we see a shift in scenery, we have to make some decisions about timing. You know, last week we talked about the different parallels. We had strict sequentialism. We saw sequential parallelism, strict parallelism, and, and progressive parallelism. And all of these had to do with whether things were happening one after another, whether they were happening subject to one another, whether they were happening kind of simultaneously in progressive parallelism. And so we saw that that, that, that kind of thinking needed to be applied to uh, the, 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 the wrath that was being poured out as we read through Revelation, uh, you know, through 6 through 16. That same thinking needs to be applied to us in Revelation 20 as well. In, in Revelation 1, when John sees the one coming down from the throne with authority, he then sees in verse 4 uh, the next set of visions, which was the thrones and seated on them were those that were given authority that was committed. And so John sees two visions kind of back to back. And when in verse 4, when John sees those thrones, it's not just the next thing. It almost, it takes us back to some things that we saw before. And so we're not just reading a series of things that are happening one after another. And so when John sees this vision in verse 4, it takes us back to what we saw in Revelation chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, where it says, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and sitting on the thrones were 24 elders and clothed in garments with, with golden crowns on their heads. And so John has another vision, but it takes us back to a vision that he saw back in Revelation 4. This is not just something that's happening sequentially. It's something that, as we look through these visions, as we look through what John's writing, we see some similarity in what we find as we read through the book. And so when John says, this time I saw the thrones, this time I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, it had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. It's the same vision that we see from the thrones, except now this time he sees those that have gone before him, the souls of those that have been beheaded for their testimony. And so when we die, our bodies are committed to the earth, but our souls go into the presence of God if we have a relationship with Christ. Jesus was with those thieves on the cross, and the one thief was ridiculing, the other thief said, don't you know who this is that you're talking to? And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so when we die, we're separated from our bodies, but our souls go someplace. They're either in God's presence or they're apart from God's presence. And when Jesus returns, it's going to be a physical, either a separation or a presence with God. And so this glimpse that John has into heaven, now he sees the souls of those who had been beheaded for their faith. And so he sees the believers up in heaven with him. And so not only do we have the throne image from verse 4, but now we see in chapter 20, we see the saints that have died 
and gone before him as well. And so John sees the one with the authority that's able to bind Satan, that's able to throw him into the pit. And then he also sees those that have a relationship with Christ up there. You know, they are reigning with Christ. They came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And that reigning with Christ is not something that just happened in the past. You know, he's seeing this now, something that happened in the past, but he's also seeing it in the present. And it's something that is continually to occur. It's, they're still reigning today. Jesus is still reigning there. Those souls are still there. And people are being added to their number as people die and before Christ returns. And so that not only is Jesus reigning, but that number of souls is being added to as people pass and go to be with the Lord. You see, this is not an historic event that happened in the past and then it's ended. Jesus is still there. He's still reigning. And those that were with him are still there as well. Jesus is reigning in heaven today. You know, where is Jesus? He's physically in heaven. He ascended into heaven and he's sitting at the throne with his father. He's with the throne and his father in heaven. The Holy Spirit's there. And that's the, that's the scene that we saw back in Revelation chapter 4. Jesus reigning with his father and the Holy Spirit. And now we know that the saints are there with him as well. That throne is the seat of ultimate authority for eternity past and for eternity future. And we need to be encouraged because we know today that Christ is reigning in heaven right now. Christ is reigning today. Colossians 1.16 says that he created all things. All things were created by him, for him, and through him. Things that are seen, things that were unseen. Things in heaven and things on earth. Jesus created everything. And in him, all things are held together. Present tense. Christ is reigning today. In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus said he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who is, he's the one who was, and he is the one to come. We know that Jesus is reigning in heaven right now, and we know that Jesus is reigning on earth right now. That's what we saw at the beginning of our series. All things were created by him, for him, and through him. He's reigning in heaven, and he's reigning on earth. And this is what we saw in Revelation chapter 1. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the what? The ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Jesus is reigning from his throne in heaven, but he is reigning over the earth right now. And he has all authority over the earth. Jesus is our final authority. He has always been, he always will, and he is the ruler of the things of the earth today as well. Now we also know that this world is fallen and broken. Uh, Satan has influence on the things that are happening, uh, but his influence is limited. He doesn't have final authority there's a lot of things that happen in our earth that, that Satan does have a, have a, has, a, has a role in. And we're not to give him a foothold in our life. We're to pray that we, God would strengthen us in our faith. You know, and Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan is the God of this world. 
He has influence. In Ephesians chapter 2, Satan's called the prince of the power of the air. In John chapter 12, he's called the ruler of the world. Satan can operate in this world. He's free to roam in this world. But it's only within the boundaries that God has for him. He has been bound. He has been held back in a sense that it is limited in what he is able to do. He does not have authority. He only rules over the unbelieving world in a very specific way. Ultimate authority belongs only to Christ in heaven and on earth. I love Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is our ultimate authority. The authority in heaven has been given to him. The authority on earth has been given to him. He is reigning in heaven right now, and he is reigning over the earth right now, and his reign is eternal. It's eternal. He reigns in heaven, he reigns on earth, and his reign is forever. It lasts forever. And it's encouraging to me to know that everything that happens, everything that happens falls under the timeless authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus reigns over everything for all eternity. You know, last week we were looking at the uh, seals being broken, and we were in Revelation chapter 11. When that seventh seal was broken, the angel blew his trumpet, and there was loud voices in saying, In heaven, saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall what? He shall reign forever and ever. Christ's reign is eternal. It's not going anywhere. It has always been. It always will be. His reign is eternal. And the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. You know, when we pray to our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray what? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying for the eternal reign of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. That's a reality that we're able to experience now. Because Christ has come into the world, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and we're experiencing glimpses of that today. The kingdom of our Lord, the kingdom of our Father, and his Christ shall reign forever and ever. It takes us back to that throne room view that we had in Revelation chapter 4, where you see the Father sitting on the throne, the Son by his hand, reigning. The kingdom has been established, and we're able to experience that today. When Mary found out she was uh, pregnant with Jesus, uh, back in Luke, in Luke chapter 1, the angel said to her, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Jesus was reigning before you were born. Before you and I were born, Jesus was reigning. Before history, Jesus was reigning. And Jesus will be reigning long after we're gone. Jesus will be reigning forever. He reigns on earth, he reigns in heaven, and he will reign forever. But you know what else? Jesus is also reigning as a judge. 
Jesus reigns as a judge. The first time that Jesus came, it was to seek and to save that which was lost. When he returns, and we see him next time, either in person on our last day, or if he returns at any moment, it's going to be to see him as a judge. Jesus came initially to save us, to draw us into a relationship with himself. When he returns, it's going to be as a judge. From our passage in Revelation uh, this morning, when we were looking at uh, uh, verse um, 10 and 11, or 11 and 12, the vision that John saw was a great white throne into him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. There was no place found for them at all. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. You know, there is absolutely no place that we can hide from God. There's actually nothing that we can hide from God. From his presence, the earth and the sky fled. There was no place found from them. We cannot escape God's knowledge of what's going on in our lives. We cannot escape his judgment. We're all going to stand before him one day either in person if we go before the Lord or in the event that Christ returns today. Everything God sees and there's no place for any of us to hide. The book of life that's being described here was that same book of life that was described in Revelation chapter 3, in Revelation chapter 13, and in chapter 17. And we know it is to be the book that contains the names of believers that he opens. And all of us are going to give an account and be judged based on our faith in Christ and how we lived out our faith. You know, Luke in chapter 12 warns us of having right priorities. Beginning in verse 1, um, he, says, you know, he, says that, uh, um, he says that, let me get to Luke 12, verse 1. In the meanwhile, there were thousands of people. They had gathered together. They were trampling one another, and they began to say to their disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden. It will not be known. God knows everything. There's nothing that will, be re- that will be hidden from him. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed in the households and on the house steps. And then in verse 4, he says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who are going to kill the body. And then after that, there's nothing more that they can do. But I warn you to whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast into the lake of hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. We need to fear the one that is coming back to judge. We need to fear the one that has the authority to cast people into the bottomless pit. We have to fear the one who is standing before our Heavenly Father on our behalf. We are to fear and trust in the name of Jesus Christ. And we can trust Jesus because he is just, because he reigns. Because he's reigning in heaven, he's reigning on earth, his reign is forevermore, we can trust him. And because he holds our lives in the balance of our hands. I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, says Jesus, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied denied before the angels of God. Jesus holds our lives in the balance. And where we will spend eternity has to do with where we have placed our faith. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? 
Are you trusting in him alone for the hope of your salvation? If you have acknowledged him before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge you before the angels of God. You will stand before the throne in judgment and Christ will acknowledge you and say, I've got this one covered. Our right standing with God has to do with where we have placed our faith. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. You know, it's okay to have questions about a relationship with Christ. I would encourage you, if you have questions about a relationship with Christ this morning, whether you're in person or online, I'm going to encourage you to find a place to answer those questions. But don't wait. Because we're assuming that we all have tomorrow. As we talked about last week, there's a point at which Jesus could return at any moment. He could return right now while we're here together this morning. He might return this afternoon. He might return next week or next month. We live with a sense that we, it can wait. I'll look for answers tomorrow. But none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. Don't wait to find answers to that question. And have you been obedient? Do the priorities in your life reflect biblical values? Are you living a life like Mary that says, hey, I am your servant. May it be to me as whatever you will. You know, are we being good stewards with all that God has entrusted to our care? You know, we are going to give an account before Christ when we stand before him. The dead were judged by what was written in the book of life according to what they had done. The living and the dead are going to be judged. The believers and the non-believers are going to be judged. We're all going to stand before him one day to give an account. And that's where we need to be concerned. That's where we need to focus on our priorities. Today is a good thing to turn around before Christ comes And so as we read through Revelation, we know that Jesus is going to come as a judge. We know that he reigns in heaven. We know that he reigns on earth. We know that his reign is going to last forever. And we know that his reign, he's going to be a judge. And we know that he's going to return. But the real big question is going to be, when is he going to return? That's the million-dollar question. That's what, that's what everybody wants to know. How much time do I have? When is Jesus going to return? The return of Jesus is probably one of the most discussed topics as you move through the book of Revelation. And if we're not careful, it could be a distraction because Revelation was written for today to encourage us today. But it also talks a lot about his return. I have been uh, spending a lot of time looking at this millennium question. <laughs> There are books and books written about the millennium question. Jesus talks specifically about the millennium. Jesus is going to bind Satan in the pit for a thousand years. That's the millennium. The millennium is a thousand. There's a lot of different ideas about how to interpret the thousand years. You know, he's going to bind the Satan in heaven or in hell for a thousand years. The one seated on the throne, we're going to be there for a thousand years. As you read through Revelation 20, there's a lot of discussion about the thousand years in the millennium. And so the big question that we want to answer is, when is Jesus going to return? I've got an answer for you for that. You want to know when Jesus is going to return? Any moment. <laughs> it's any moment. I mean, we live with this eager sense of anticipation that Jesus could return at any moment. Jesus says, no one knows the day or the hour, not, not, not me, only my Father in heaven. There, there's no way to calculate for us when Jesus is going to return, but we know that he's going to come like a thief in the night. We know that he can return at any moment, and our calling is to be prepared. 
And Revelation was a book to encourage us. The letter to the seven churches was to encourage us. The judgments, the, the seals, the trumpets and the bowls were to encourage us. Revelation 20 is to encourage us. Jesus is reigning. He is reigning in heaven. He reigns over the earth. His reign is forever, and that should encourage us. But we can't go through Revelation 20 without talking about the millennium. And so I'm going to give you a summary of the millennial views. There's three primary views. You can break the first one up into two. And so this is a summary. And the millennium is the thousand years. And so when we talk about the thousand years in Revelation 20, we're talking about the millennial. And there's, there's three different positions around it. There's premillennium, which means that Jesus is physically going to come to earth to reign for the thousand years before the final judgment. And so if you think that Jesus is going to come back physically to earth to reign physically for a thousand years before the final judgment, then you would be considered premillennial. And then you can break premillennial into historic and dispensational. Dispensational was relatively new. It was written, it really came on the scene by a guy named um, John Nelson Darby. Uh, you had the influence D.L. Moody. We've got the Schofield Bible. A lot of the dispensational premillennial uh, view has been influenced by recently. If you've read the Left Behind series and you really like the Left Behind series and you think that, hey, this is really biblical, then that would fall in line with a, a, a dispensational premillennial view. But I want to encourage you. The Left Behind series was only written as three books. It sold so many copies that they came up with 13 more books. That is not where we go to get our theology. I was actually going to bring them out on stage. There's a stack this high. If you really want to know what to believe about the millennium, pick up your Bible on our, on our website, springbrook.org slash revelation. I've got some, some great resources there for you to study. You can look through this question and you want to answer this on your own. You know, all of these views have a lot of different men and women that take positions on any one of them. And, and you can get online and Google, uh, you can get online, you can watch people that are a lot smarter than me sitting in the room talking about which one of these three is right. You know what happens at the end? You still don't know which one's right. I can make a defense of any one of these. All of these make sense. At, at any one point, I would say, well, I agree with that one. Oh, I agree with that one. Oh, I agree with that one. And so what happens is, and we talked about this last week, is it based, it's based on your perspective for how you interpret other biblical passages. You know, it has a lot to do with how you interpret Daniel 9. You know, when did, when did the decree start? Was it, you know, you, if you pick a date in history, you can project, you know, seven times, you know, the seven times 70, and you calculate how many days that is, and you can get your little calendar out, and you can make some predictions. And it's, it's interesting how many um, historical realities do line up with some of these calculations. But, you know, you've got to remember that, that symbols, as we talked about at the beginning of this series, were, 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 these numbers were given to us as symbols. And so as you read through Revelation, numbers and images and the beast, a lot of what we have in Revelation is symbolic. And so you have to decide, what am I going to take literally and what is symbolic? And you can take things symbolically and still be a literalist. I literally believe in the, every word in the Bible is literal and true, but I can also hold the symbolism because I'm reading prophetic work. And so we talked about the, you can see a vase, there's two faces, do you see a vase? So we talked about a, a glass that's half full or half empty. We've all got different perspectives, and these perspectives influence how we interpret some of these passages. And if your perspective changed, guess what? Then your view might change. And so you can be pre-mill, one of these two, read a couple of different passages a different way and go, oh, maybe I'm post-mill, which believes that Jesus is coming physically to judge after a thousand years of peace. And so things on the earth are going to get better, and they're going to get better, and they're going to get better, and then Jesus is going to come for the final judgment. And so you can be post-mill, or you can be ah-mill. 
which believes that we're in the currently in the thousand years, is reflected in heaven, and that Jesus is going to come physically for the judgment. And so this kind of summarizes these three views. Historical pre-mill looks specifically at the point that Christ died, uh, ushers in his kingdom, and then what's going to happen is, is that um, at some point there's going to be a great tribulation, um, and it's going to last seven years, and then there's going to be a second coming, and then there's going to be a rapture. You know, people are going to you know, disappear. That's where you get the clothes disappearing. It's the rapture. And then after that happens, Christ is going to return. He's going to reign a thousand years. And, in, 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 and that's what the historical pre-mill position would be. So you go back a little bit further, and this is what, what most of them that would hold that position would believe. The thing about this, though, is, is that second coming and that rapture is based specifically on how you interpret Daniel 9, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, 1 Thessalonians 4, 2 Thessalonians, and other passages in Revelation. And so if you're looking down through these passages and you say, well, this is what I believe about this passage, then it will affect that view. And so the rapture, the second coming, the great tribulation, all of those are based on how you would interpret other passages elsewhere in Scripture. It doesn't say the, the, the rapture is not talked about in Scripture. You don't have the you don't have that specifically mentioned at all. You have to come to some conclusions about that based on how you're reading some of these other passages. And so if you're historic pre-mill, this would be your position, that there's going to be a tribulation, a rapture, a second coming, and Christ will be on this earth for a thousand years before the judgment. That's historically uh, what you would find in pre-mill. And then dispensationalism came on a little bit later. Now, dispensational pre-mill thinks that God has a plan for Israel, and, uh, and then that plan is now on hold. And so when Christ died, um, the kingdom gets postponed until the millennium. And so we're kind of living in this gap right now uh, where you've got the church and grace. And so, and then when Christ, uh, through that second coming, is going to be the tribulation. So you still see the, the secret coming and the rapture and the seven years and the church is going to be in heaven there. But when Jesus comes back the second time again, the, the first coming was secret. The second one is going to come back here. When this happens... Um, that there's actually going to be a difference between how God treats Gentiles and how he treats Jews, that there's a special place uh, for, in heaven for Jews that's going to be separate from Gentiles. And so you get, a, you get this separating of Jews and Gentiles. And so then the, 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 then the kingdom picks back up here, and then he's going to reign for a thousand years, and then there's going to be the last judgment. And so that's dispensational premillennialism in a nutshell. Does that make sense? <laughs> and so you've got historic... You've got uh, dispensational, and then we get to the post-mill. You know, Christ died. Um, they look at the, between that 40 years, the last days, they calculate their date. The Great Tribulation actually happens in AD 70 when the temple's destroyed. And so right now, we've got a, we're, they're, they're anticipating an increased manifest, manifestation of Christ's rule over the earth. Uh, and then there's going to be a large-scale conversion of the Jews at the end, and then Christ is going to reign for a thousand years before the final judgment. But for a post-mill perspective, they're expecting things to get better and better and better and better and better and better until finally large-scale conversion of the Jews, and then the millennium, and then the judgment. And so you also have the same issue with, with uh, the Jews and the Gentiles there as well. And so those first three views, all three of them hold to the physical um, little reign of Christ. When you get to the Amil position, Amil believes that there is a thousand years, but it's reflected in heaven. It's a millennial kingdom that is reflected in heaven, that the church is always going to be in tribulation. We're always going to have trials and tribulation. And so uh, there is no rapture. Uh, there is no uh, secret second coming. 
Um, Christ died. Um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now. And it's in stalemate with Satan, who is over the world to the very end. And so there's going to be this tension between what we're experiencing on earth and what we know we could be experiencing uh, in heaven. And so there's this battle, not between good and evil, because when Christ died on the cross, he overcame death. He's victorious. And so Jesus is victorious. The, the, the battle's not between good and evil, but the battle is for us. As we try to live out with one foot in the kingdom, because we know where we're going, but we're also stuck here on earth. And so Amel would hold that Jesus is going to come, and the second coming and the judgment are all going to happen at the final, uh, at the final end there. And so those are the four different views. And so that's a summary. And as I mentioned to you, um, I can look down through different passages of Scripture, and I can give it a defense for each one of those. And there are some people that hold those different views, and, um, and there are stronger personalities. They speak more forcefully. And so some people are more apt to, well, I'll believe that because he seems like he's really convicted about that. He's, and so a lot of times people pick positions just based on who the people are that they're listening to. And so we were intentional with this series not to teach on a particular position. I think I mentioned to you at the beginning of the series that as our staff uh, have had conversations about this and our, as our pastoral staff have worked through this, um, we've all come to the conclusion that at one point or another, these all make sense. We all find that there's one that makes more sense to us, but we are not going to talk about which one believes which. We don't want to create any division over the believing of what to do with the millennium. That's not what Revelation 20 was written for. Revelation 20 was not written to create divisiveness in the church over millennial views. Why was it written? It was written to encourage us that Jesus Christ is reigning right now in heaven. To encourage us that Jesus is reigning right now on earth, that his reign is forever, and that he's going to reign as judge. That's why we have Revelation 20. And there's some things that I would encourage you. Uh, if you've got questions, the, the second coming is important. Understanding what you believe is important because those views do affect, to a certain extent, how you do ministry. And so we have to evaluate what we believe and we have to make sure that we're united together in what God's called us to do. And so we don't have millennium as a part of our statement of faith. We allow for that flexibility because none of them interfere with what we believe about God, what we believe about Scripture, or how we do ministry. And so if you want to know more, if you have questions about that, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about this. Pastor Matt has been doing a fantastic job uh, with the curriculum that we've been sending out to our small groups each week. Um, if you're not in a small group, you can go to our website. You can download there as well. But I encourage you uh, to enter into dialogue, into conversation with others so that you can be encouraged in your faith. But I want you to know this morning that the encouragement for you is that God reigns. Jesus reigns in heaven and on earth. It's forever, and he is going to come back to judge us. Regardless of what your view is, Jesus is coming back to judge. Regardless of what your view is, Jesus is reigning. Regardless of what your view is, we need a relationship with Christ. And so don't let the second coming trip you up. At the same time, if you have questions, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. This series was designed to help us to be encouraged in our faith. Revelation was written for today to encourage us in our faith. It's my prayer for each of us that we would be encouraged that Jesus is reigning, and that we would be able to trust him with every area of our life. Some of you are going through trials and tribulations, and there's things going on in your life right now, and you might be wondering, is God in control? Where is God in this? You know, what is God's plan for this tragedy? And so some of you might be going through a very difficult time right now. 
You know, John 14, Jesus says, if I go prepare a place for you, I am going to come again and I will take you to be with myself. That is a promise from Jesus who has been reigning forever, who reigns over heaven, who has all authority on heaven and on earth. I will come again and I will take you to be to myself. Where I am, you may be also. You may be based on what you believe about Jesus. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The most important decision that you can make in this life is what do you believe about Jesus Christ? And if you have not committed your life to Christ, I would encourage you this morning to make that a priority. Because where you spend eternity has everything to do with what you believe about him. And if you are a Christ follower this morning, I pray that you are encouraged knowing that when Christ does return, whenever it is, he has a place prepared for you in heaven. And that's the hope that we have. If you do not have a relationship with Christ this morning, I want to encourage you, you can, you can take that step of faith with us today. These words do not get anybody into heaven. But if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God, that he is reigning, that he did die on the cross for your sins, and that when he comes back, He's going to take those that believe in him with him. If, if you believe that, his death on the cross paid for your sin, and that he came back to life and was resurrected from the dead, you can, you can say, God, as best as I know how, I want to have a relationship with you this morning. The Spirit of God is external in a person's life until they ask him to come in. And so you can ask the Spirit of Christ to come into this morning and be sealed and know that you are secure in your faith. These words don't get you there. But if you believe it in your head and your heart, then you can pray that prayer this morning. And we would love the opportunity to celebrate that with you. Don't leave this morning without settling that question. It's the most important question that you can answer in this life. And if you are a believer and you do have a relationship with Christ, you need to know that the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered to each to his own home. And you're going to have trouble and you're going to have trials and you're going to have tribulations in this light life yet but but you're not alone the father is with you jesus is saying these things to remind them that it's in him that we find our peace i'm telling you these things that in me you may have peace in the world you're going to have tribulation but take heart i have overcome the world it's my prayer that you have a relationship with christ this morning that no matter what's going on in your life you would be able to experience the fullness of peace that christ offers to you we're going to continue through our series in Revelation. Next week, we're going to be hearing from Dr. David Nelms, who's president of the Timothy Initiative, and he's working with many of our church plants and our, our new churches over in, in India and in Nepal. And the, the situations that they're going through are just absolutely tragic right now with regard to what's happening uh, with their country and COVID and the number of deaths that are happening there. That, that, those Christians over there are facing significant persecution, not just from their health, but they're being attacked. Their churches are being attacked. And so not only are they being persecuted for having churches and for being pastors, but now they're on top of it, they're trying to deal with COVID. Persecution is something that we all face. Sometimes it's more than others, but know that regardless of what's happening in your life, that God is sovereign, God has a plan, and it's in Christ that we find our peace. And so that's my encouragement and my prayer for you this morning. As you come to Revelation 20, it would be to experience the fullness of what God has for you and that you would be able to trust him with every area of your life. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for Revelation 20. Thank you for the hope that we do have in Christ. Uh, God, we know that um, he is reigning in heaven. We know that he is reigning on earth. 
And God, that his reign is timeless and endures forever. And that is encouraging to me, to know that everything that happens falls under your purview and that Christ is sovereign over every aspect of my life. I pray for my friends this morning that they would have an ever-increasing sense of that peace in their life. God, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate Mother's Day. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to come together to open up your word and encourage uh, one another. And uh, we lift this day up to you. Uh, Father, I look forward to all that you have for us. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand together and respond to this word that we've received this morning.
Jesus reigns. Amen. Well, I want to thank you once again for worshiping with us. It is truly, truly our honor, our privilege to spend this time with you, to come into the word together, to sing praises together. And I want you to hear now, receive this benediction from Revelation 1. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Go now in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed week in him.